Hello, and welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Levine, and I will be your host again this time around. This is the next edition of our series called Psychology on Vinyl, where we try to understand both the subtle and blatant psychology behind and within famous records. You know, around 1992, I worked at Universal Studios in North Hollywood. Daily, my typical routine when I would break for lunch would be to try to avoid the tourists and go sit in my car in the parking lot with the windows down, especially as in most days in North Hollywood, you could could facilitate that as far as the weather goes. At the time, the place had all the employees park in the same parking lot where people would go to see a concert at the Universal Amphitheater which at some point was called the Gibson Amphitheater. I don't know what it's called now. Uh, So one day I took my lunch break, and as usual, I walked to my car. But this particular day, I had unknowingly parked in the middle of an enormous tailgating party. People were selling tie-dye shirts and food. It had to be around 11 a.m., and the concert they were waiting for was, was way later that night. But there had to be at least 200 people already there in the parking lot, just hanging out. Now, what got me was that everybody looked like they were straight out of the 1960s, but most, if not all, were my age. I would have been around 20 at the time. Long story short, the Jerry Garcia band was playing that night at the Universal Amphitheater. And while I was sitting there in my car, a girl that I can only describe as a full-blown early 90s version of a late 60s hippie which basically means a traditional hippie style, except with way more piercings, came to my car window and started talking to me. Now, before you read further into this, let me please assure you that I'm in no way romanticizing this. She was definitely not my cup of Southern comfort. My point is that while true, this was Hollywood, literally, this was not a motion picture glammed out hippie vixen that came to audition for a hippie girl with that look as part of her portfolio of headshots right beside tough chick and businesswoman. Nor was I or am I under any circumstances claiming to have been the man. Okay, so are we on the same page? All right, let's move forward. She says hello, and then she just stood there. I asked her, based on the shirts that I saw being sold, if the Grateful Dead were playing that night. And she said, no, just Jerry. She said it was her fourth show in a row and that she and her friends were literally following him all around the United States, selling food and homemade shirts and jewelry for gas and ticket money for the next one. Now, interestingly, she never asked me to buy anything. She just stood there. Well, I got out of my car and leaned on my car and so did she. I don't have any idea, nor do I remember if she told me what her name was. What I do remember is that she said that I should go with them to the next show. She said she came up to my car because I had a Bob Marley sticker on the back of my car 
So I obviously, you know, I checked out and it would be more fun for me to make the life choice to hang out with them than to go back to work. I told her, you know, I, I think I'm good. Then she asked me, are you a narc? <laughs> I said, if I was, would I tell you? And she smiled and said, I guess not. Well, bye. And off she disappeared into the parking lot sea of people. This time around, we are going to be checking out a record called Blues for Allah, which was the eighth studio album by the Grateful Dead. Now, this is clearly a band that has grown on me over the years. I always liked a lot of their songs, but this was the first time in my world that I could let the needle drop and play the entire record and the whole thing worked for me. Maybe American Beauty being a close second or Anthem of the Sun being third. Now, this is a very different record. It's almost a prog record in places, and it also has a reggae track and a kind of an overall Middle Eastern feel to it. It was called Blues for Allah essentially as a tribute to King Faisal of Saudi Arabia, who was assassinated right after the recording began. The band had been told that he was a huge fan of theirs. That affected them, and that in itself probably led heavily to the vibe of the entire record. Now, a lot of this record are instrumental songs, but they're just perfect in how they balance out the others. So instead of going over various tracks this time, I thought we could do something a little bit different. We can just focus on just one song. Now keep in mind, they went into the studio with nothing, and these lyrics originated on the spot. Here's the backstory. The lyricist, for the most part, for the Grateful Dead, Robert Hunter, read somewhere in a review that their lyrics didn't actually mean anything. Just these spacey lyrics. Well, he didn't like that. He responded by literally taking apart one of his songs which happened to be from this record called Franklin's Tower. I found this fascinating and I wanted to share it with you. This fits into the psychology on vinyl so beautifully. So first the lyric and then his response. Here's the lyric. In another time's forgotten space, your eyes looked through your mother's face. Wildflower seed on the sand and stone, may the four winds blow you safely home. You asked me where the four winds dwell. In Franklin's tower, there hangs a bell. It can ring, turn night to day, ring like fire when you lose your way. This is what he said. He said, note that this song appeared in 1975. The year after my son was born and the year before the American Bicentennial. To me, both facts were entirely relevant. The allusion to the Liberty Bell and the situation of the Philadelphia Congress in the hometown of Ben Franklin has not gone unnoticed by other commentators. This song is both for my son and for the United States of America, each relatively young and subject to the winds of vicissitude. Individual and collective freedom, liberty, conscious, all that is conjured by those concepts is suggested in the image of the tolling bell. Next couple lyrics. God help the child who rings that bell. 
It may have one good ring left. You can't tell. One watch by night, one watch by day. If you get confused, just listen to the music play. How did he explain those? The bell was cracked and could not be safely rung again. From an actual bell, it therefore became a symbol of now only having the potential to ring. The single toll signaling birth can now be heard only in its uh, reverberations in our history and our ideals. Some have had to bear those ideals in difficult circumstances, through wars and through the Great Depression. Others have had the more enviable task of keeping watch during periods of conscious and dynamic change, the full light of day. These would include the 60s, the writer assumes. That was the perfect time. So you can't tell if ringing that bell a second time would destroy it and might be foolish or courageous to try. Perhaps the music of the original ideals symbolized by the first and only toll should be taken to heart and implemented rather than obviated by a new source of ideation, such as communism, anarchy, or religious-based government, etc. To resolve this confusion, pay attention to the original inspiration, things like the Bill of Rights, and individually maintain awareness of conscience and one's own early ideals. And now the real stretch. It says, roll away the dew. The line is appropriated from a fairly well-known sea shanty whose chorus goes, roll away the morning dew and sweet the winds shall blow. Well, as surely as everyone knows by now, Tim Rose's song, Morning Dew, which was kind of made famous by Jerry Garcia's singing it, is, is set in the aftermath of nuclear war. The reason that he can't walk you out in the morning dew, my honey, is because of fallout. Though Garcia has wisely dropped the verse containing this, allowing the song a heightened romantic mystery achieved through open-ended ambiguity. For generations now, the nuclear specter personifies the forces which most threaten our attempt at democracy. With the song's sub-allusion to roll away the stone, an anthem of resurrection, a resultant combination message of dire necessity, as in the final, you've got to roll away the dew, and the promise of renewal, in case resolution is affected, are enjoined. Should this hyper-elusive train of thought become too confusing to process, then the invitation is yours. Just let the music play. It acknowledges both the melody and performance context of the lyric and the metaphoric bell described above. Let's stop there. Prior to this record, I never, ever, ever realized the depth levels of many of the songs by this band. I mean, I was obviously more familiar with their lyrics about Casey Jones, Cocaine, and the Doodah Man. But, but there is real discernible psychological things just exploding all over this record. The Pacifica website had a piece on depth psychology, which I feel ties in here. It notes that depth psychology is kind of an interdisciplinary endeavor, drawing on literature, philosophy, mythology, the arts, and critical studies. 
depth, depth psychology attempts to help people become aware of what has been cast out of consciousness or not yet able to be known or understood. Well, that said, I wonder if part of my mind ever made the connections of the lyrics on some level to a song like Franklin's Tower, and I'm just not aware of it. But I find that possibility of that could have happened fascinating. So I chose this record also because of how it makes me feel to listen to it. It's cathartic to listen to. It's mysterious and relaxing, and it's thought-provoking. You know, it's funny. The first thing I ever, ever remember taking in from The Grateful Dead was when I was a little kid, and I saw The Grateful Dead movie. And, and the animated introduction of that movie just left me captivated at that young age. I still watch that cartoon every once in a while. It's on YouTube. It starts really peaceful until the silence is broken by a skeleton playing a violin. Later, I would learn that this was the Blues for Allah album cover coming to life. So am I a deadhead? I don't think so. I'm nowhere near that huge of a fan. But this record speaks to me, oddly enough, especially the instrumentals. It sets a great tone, especially if you wear your headphones and you lay down and you close your eyes. I can't help but wonder what would have happened sometimes if I actually left work that day. You know, what if I impulsively bailed on my day job and spent the rest of the summer, the rest of the year, the rest of my life hanging out with that group of people. And where is that girl now? She must, like me, be pushing 50. You think she's a domesticated woman now with kids and an ex-husband? You think she's still doing the same thing now, but maybe with Fish or the Dave Matthews Band? Maybe she had a son and named him Jerry. Does she think Cherry Garcia was a good name for the Ben and Jerry's ice cream, or does she find the notion trivializing and appalling? Is she in prison? Is she now the CEO of a company that's core values are in direct opposition for what she stood for when I spoke to her that day? Is she a dog groomer? Does she work at the International House of Pancakes? Is she alive? You know, honestly, I'm glad I kept my day job. My sense of adventure led me other places, which I'm happy with personally. And I'm going to tell you, besides, no matter how you look at it, life is a long, strange trip, regardless of what you do with it, no matter what. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist. And for this Psychology on Vinyl series, the subject matter is the playlist itself. So we have for you this time around a refresher podcast, Grateful Dead Blues for Allah playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in refresher podcast dash Grateful Dead Blues for Allah. Here's your track listings. And I'm going to do it just like we used to on the record. Track number one, side one, Help on the Way, followed by Slipknot, followed by Franklin's Tower, King Solomon's Marbles, and the music never stopped. You flip your record over, you've got your reggae track, Crazy Fingers, followed by an instrumental, Sage and Spirit, and then Blues for Allah, 
sandcastles and glass camels and unusual occurrences in the desert. That's our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash Grateful Dead Blues for Allah. We would like to welcome some new listeners to our show. Our demographic report shows that we now have brand new listeners in Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome. As well as in Port Ritchie, Florida. I've been there. We'd like to welcome all of you to Refresher. We're glad you're here. You know, this show simply would not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor, please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. Also, if you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, only if you'd like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. If you are so inclined, that would be outstanding. But whether you do or whether you don't, just please feel free to listen and enjoy this show anytime as it is yours. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.